The theme for this month, whether you're online or in the room together, has been exciting. Here's the theme. The mundane, the sacred, the profane. Oh, my. And, of course, it's a reference to the famous line from the movie, The Wizard of Oz. Thank you. And how does it go? Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. So I had to dig into that phrase, oh my, because it's used to express concern, even admiration sometimes for potentially big and scary things. So this is how our weeks have been going. Week one, the mundane. Week two, the sacred. Week three, the profane. And this week, Oh my. <laughs> and so I looked into where does this phrase come from. I thought I knew, but I wanted to check. A little search about the history of the phrase told me that it's likely short for something like, oh my God, or oh my Lord. And um, it's an expression of wonder and awe, um, recognition and appreciation for what the creative genius divinity has done, has created through us. And it became so widely used that the phrase stopped having that specific meaning, stopped having the specific connection to the divine. And then it's yes that people out of respect over time started to change the word God or Lord to words like gosh and goodness, you know, as in, oh my goodness, oh my gosh. And in my household, when, where I grew up, we would add me at the end. Oh, oh my goodness, me. Did you do that too? <laughs> now, some people actually dropped the final word altogether and simply said, oh my Famously said by Star Trek's George Takai. <laughs> yeah. And the network sports broadcaster Dick Engberg, who said it after big plays. And sometimes it can be extended for emphasis. My, oh my, oh my. And it's often said to show surprise. Now, in our month, the topics for our month, there is no longer any surprise. Because the punchline has been given away every week by the speakers. And here's the punchline. It's all connected. Oh my. <laughs> the mundane, the sacred, the profane, it's all connected somehow. So this month has been an invitation for us to look at how is everything in life connected and to do so with a sense of awe and curiosity to look into how we think about each other and ourselves and to discover if how we are approaching life is adding to or taking away from our experience of fullness and engagement and peace. And that's particularly important to me these days. I'm looking at how much I want peace for this world. And yet I I continue to struggle with peace right here in my heart. My, oh my. Mm. And don't you know, spirituality, at least to me, begins right here with this willingness to look within and look for the connections. 
between my thinking and my words and my actions and my emotions and my experience. And to me, until I start examining my inner life, life seems to just go on automatic, on autopilot. One of my friends once said, we were taking class together, and he said to me that before he started thinking about his thinking, that 90% in his estimation, 90% of his thoughts were the same as yesterday. Or he said, maybe 90% or even the same as they were the year before. And he felt stuck. Then he started thinking about his thinking, and he had a, oh my, experience. Because he started to discover the connection between stuck living and stuck thinking. It's so quiet in here. <laughs> you know, Ernest Holmes said something similar. I have to read this for you. Humankind, that's us, can achieve only that which they can conceive. You want to hear that again? I need it. Humankind can achieve only that which they can conceive. Oh my. If 90% of what I'm conceiving today is the same as what I thought yesterday, what do I expect to achieve? I'm not really giving the creative power of the universe much opportunity to do anything different. 10%. Oh. I mean, I think that goes also for my habits and my routines. Am I stuck in a rut? Are you? Those ideas that I'm so loyal to, that I use to direct my life, are they old? Are they stale? Are they repeats from yesteryear? Oh my. When last did I think something new? <laughs> when, when last did I do something new? I'll try something new. Something that would make me go... <sighs> Reminds me of something in the textbook. You know how sometimes you read something and just sticks right in the center of your being? I even know where it is. Page 195. <laughs> There's a few of those. You know, the zingers, you know. This one, page 195. It's like right in the middle. You're going to love this. Or not. <laughs> we, that's us, we should carefully consider whether we are willing to experience the results of our thoughts. <laughs> See, that's, that's what happened when I read that. We should carefully consider whether we are willing to experience the result of our thoughts. Now, the difficult news here is that in some ways, you and I are already experiencing the results of our mindset. That's how society is created. The good news is that my mind and your mind is subject to change. 
and growth. And we can do that by thinking about how we are thinking and then adjust. And when you start doing that, things begin to shift. Starts at home. Now, when I first was introduced to this idea, the first thing I noticed was kind of unpleasant. I noticed that I can be quite unpleasant, nasty, in the privacy of my own mind and my self-talk. That's what I noticed. I'll give you an example. First thing in the morning, it was very normal for me to look in the mirror and say something horrible. Privately. It was very normal for me when I made a mistake to say something that I would never say to a young person. Very critical. <laughs> if I would, I, 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 should I admit this? <laughs> when playing competitive games and I lost, it wasn't pleasant inside there at all. I suspected they were cheats. <laughs> and since noticing that I have been purposefully changing up my inner converse, my inner response to life on purpose, I've been on a lifelong quest to redirect my thinking to a, a more compassionate, a more creative, a more kind, a more curious, a more adventurous, a more generous response in the silence of my own mind. Compassionate is important. I want to focus on that word compassionate, and I'll tell you why. Because compassion is the attitude of mind that demands new thinking. Compassionate makes us go in new directions. It it asks us to practice seeing things in a different light from another person's perspective. Compassion asks us to see things the way other people experience them, not the way I think they should experience them. Not as I personally prefer seeing them. So in a way, it demands openness of mind, humility, patience, listening. So in that way, compassion requires creativity because I may have to get out of my box, the box of my own experiences, of what I've thought before, of the advice I have to give, of the things that I think are true, of my belief about how life works, of what I know and expect and predict. Ooh. In other words, I may need to use my imagination to get out of that cherished point of view just for a moment and to start trying on the other's way of thinking and experiencing. And thus, as soon as I started trying that on, it became the starting point for a thrilling new adventure in life. I want to tell you one of my favorite stories that I tell often, and I try to tell it a little different every time. It's about one who was called by compassion and answered the call. Florence Nightingale, one of my heroes, known as the Lady of the Lamp. She was named after the Italian city where she was born, and throughout her gentle, shy childhood, practicing right there in her garden, she dreamed 
dreamed of. She imagined becoming a nurse because she was amazed by the process of restoring living creatures back to health. That was her thing. And her protective father tried to discourage her from that bad choice. And he said, oh, Florence, you'll never be able to change all the sadness of the world. Don't you love that when helpful people tell you don't get your hopes too high? You know, okay, Dad, I'll get them super low. Oh, not Florence. Uh Uh-uh. She politely replied to her father, I will change it. I will make the world a better place. When as a child, to her it was simply impossible that she wouldn't or couldn't make a difference. Although she didn't know how and where, and she didn't know when and what, she only knew that when she witnessed pain and suffering in others that she wanted to get in there and make a difference. And all she could do was take the next step available towards that vision, even though when she did take steps towards it, the pushback was intense, tremendous disapproval from society. When she went to school, nursing school, because in the Victorian English society, nursing was a scandalous choice for a young woman of society. The story really gets heated up when England and France go to war with Russia, 1854. And a contingent of 400 or so nurses travel all the way over there through seasickness, harsh storms, ice, bitter cold. And they arrive at a hospital which is nothing more than a shabby, rat-infested, cockroach-infested, abandoned barracks. And this is the welcome they got from the army officer in charge. The army has never needed women and does not now. Oh my. None of those nurses were prepared for what they saw. So much death, so much blood. Soldiers too sick and cold to move, no beds, no blankets, no fire, no heat, and no warm welcome, no recognition of their vision, no appreciation of their service, nada. And so they could only roll up their sleeves and get busy doing what they had come to do, what they had been called to do, one step at a time, cleaning, cooking, feeding, helping as they may. They had to do it one step at a time because that is all that was available. And that's an important key for creating an oh my experience in life. I'll tell you why. Because we are not always properly prepared by life. Or by school, or by circumstances, or by birth, or by anything. And it's possibly why so many people don't take a step out of their box. They don't feel properly prepared for life's adventure. (sighs) Now, when I think of adventurous types, I think of people who step outside of the box. Amelia Earhart, Uh, the astronauts in the International Space Station. Indiana Jones. (laughs) Adventure makes me think of exciting, unusual, maybe risky, 
definitely involves the unknown. And I know that doesn't feel comfortable for some people. Yet, it does indeed describe a lot of life. So I, I've been working with that, and I've been trying this approach, really, and my approach has been more and more to try and think of my life as an adventure unfolding. So every day I ask myself, I really do, what can I do? What can I be? What can I think? What can I contribute that I haven't before? Sometimes I just want to do 90% of what I did yesterday. You know what? Someone once said to me, what if we looked at everything as an adventure? What if we looked at healing as an adventure? What if we looked at a job search for, as an adventure? What if we looked at relationship as an adventure? You know, exciting, unusual, ris risky, definitely involves the unknown. And that takes my breath away because I was raised to value predictability. Stability, sureness, constancy, <laughs> steadfastness, surety. Oh my. <laughs> so, so, I mean, if I think about it, maybe there was a time as true of me. I know a lot of people who haven't been on an adventure in years. Maybe they don't feel prepared to. You know, I can't find my tent or water bottle. It's somewhere in storage. <laughs> I'm, I really like my routine. This would be inconvenient. I'm, I'm not quite ready. I still first have to learn to speak French or whatever it is, you know. There's not enough insurance and too much unknown. Well, I get it. And I do love what the poet, the Indian poet Tagore wrote you can't cross the sea by merely standing and staring at the water. You can't cross the sea by merely standing and staring at the water. That stops me. Staring. I think it stops a lot of people. And you know what else stops me is my self-talk. I've got Florence's well-intentioned father's voice in me tries to protect me by discouraging me. Do you have that? A few people. Here's what mine says. Don't do it. You don't have the support. Stay at home. Here's what it says. You're too old. You used to say you're too young. It says... You're not good enough. Look at everybody else. Compare. And it says, someone will disapprove and not like you. Do you want that? I've got voices. You've probably got yours. And Florence Nightingale probably had some of her own. Yet she still did what she was called to do anyway. And I'm on the path of learning to do that, to incorporate my voices and carry on anyway. Now, in Florence's case, that step towards compassion 
while that work she did developed great respect for her, love grew for her, that lasts in the nursing community to this very day. At night, she carried a lamp as she walked the four miles of corridors among the rows and rows of damaged soldiers, and that's why she became known as the Lady of the Lamp. One newspaper reported it like this. What a comfort it was to see her. She would speak to one and nod and smile to as many more. But she couldn't do it all, you know. We lay there by the hundreds, but we would kiss her shadow as it fell and lay our heads on the pillow again content. Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my goodness me. That image of the lamp shining and then taking a step one at a time in an environment that is overwhelming, it reminds me of Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet to light my path. Comforting words for so many people. And there is still something distressing in part of that image for those of us who love the assurance of certainty. Because the lamp is only shining the light where my feet are. It doesn't tell me what is around the corner. Lions and tigers and bears. It gives me just enough information to take a step more. Goodness gracious me. Well, that's life. That's how it is. So the message I'm taking from that is, keep walking. The light will go with you when you walk because you're carrying it. Take the next step. Take the baby step and then the next step. Isn't that exactly what relationship is all about? I've heard that's what raising children is all about. I've learned that that's what it's all about. Still, some of us want to know all the details up front. Exactly how much time will this volunteer gig take? And will I be appreciated appropriately? Will I like it when I get there? Am I going to have to give up anything? Can the world stay exactly the same that it is for me while I change incrementally? <laughs> and I think the answer is, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Indeed, I suspect that if we did know everything in advance, we wouldn't have children. Would Florence have become a nurse if she knew? Would we climb onto the train called life if we knew? You know, I was remembering the time when we were getting ready to buy this building when it was Star Skate World. And I wonder seriously, if we knew back then what we know now, the cost, the time, the challenges, the 
upkeep, the pandemic, the roof leaks, the elevator, the parking lot, the resurfacing, the HVAC units, the vandalism, the cleaning, the upkeep. Would we have voted to come? <laughs> but in our naivete, we didn't know. Thank goodness. Because if we didn't take that step, we wouldn't have had the community, the candle lighting service, the children, the music, the choir, the classes, the art show, the speakers, the bookstore, the bake sales, the AIDS life cycle team, the nonprofit partners, the pie eating party, the picnics, the pet blessings, the inspiration, the meditations, the revelations, and the experience of coming home. I remember one person in the meeting when the decision was made to come said, where will the money come from? Do you know what one person replied? From wherever it is. <laughs> and I know that. I know that in my bones. And, and yet sometimes I just wish I had more evidence. Don't you? I, I wish I had a memo from the divine with bullets. I, I really want a cosmic insurance plan. I want it because my experience is the light is always and perpetually only shining on what I've got right now, and I've got to carry it with me, and I've got to keep walking. And so and sometimes I don't want to move. And yet I know I have to move if I want to experience what life has. I have to move to live. I have to live to experience. I have to experience to be, and that is what spiritual living means. So it takes me back to the point I started with, and that is that compassion is the attitude of mind that invites us to see the world differently. And to see the world differently requires using our beautiful imagination. It requires that we develop openness of mind to stretch out of our known experience and our preferred responses and our unautomatic speaking. And stretching out of our own experience gets easier with practice. When we can take the time to ask ourselves daily, what is something I can think today that I haven't thought before? <laughs> what is something I can read that I haven't read before? What is something I can create that I haven't before? What is something I can give to the world, gentle and easy, that I haven't before? Some people, when they think of great souls like Florence Nightingale, they might compare themselves saying, well, I'll never do that. So I try to think of where she started. In her garden, simply noticing what had heart and meaning for her. So I invite you this week to start where you are. Look for what has heart and meaning for you and then 
take a step toward it. Let it guide you to doing something new. Use your imagination and be compassionate and curious and creative. Eat something new. Cook something different. Create a new holiday tradition. Dress in clothing you haven't worn for years. Read that book that's been sitting on your shelf for 15 years. <laughs> Go somewhere in your local area that you haven't been to before. And do it all with a sense of, my, oh my, oh my, oh goodness gracious me. Look what life has done.